Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's podcast is brought to you by AlleyRepair.com. Don't leave your ski bowl machines lying around collecting dust in the basement. Let AlleyRepair.com bring those machines back to life. High quality workmanship for your ski bowl playing needs. Contact AlleyRepair.com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Pro Wrestling Podcast. In this episode, we got all kinds of things to get to. There's just like a scatter plot of all kinds of things going on in the wrestling world. We're going to start with our uh, what is becoming one of our more popular segments to this day in pro wrestling history. So we're going to start with 20 years ago. Here's the thing. I had somebody a couple episodes ago shot me a, a message saying something about, you know, there's more things that happen on some of these days that I don't cover. I get that. In all reality, pro wrestling has been around since, like, 1897. I could easily go back and find something on every day of the calendar year to put down for, you know, 50, 60 different things. I I don't have time to do all that. I pick a few that I think have a lot of relevance or historical importance. So if I'm not getting all of them, I apologize. But uh, at the end of the day, I hope the ones I bring you are enjoyable and something cool to look back at. And the biggest thing is, as you guys who listen regularly can probably tell, I really hope you guys go on to like a YouTube or something like that and find some of these things so you can relive them if you were around back then. If not, you can see them for the first time. So we're going to start, as I said, with 20 years ago today, 1997. I said on yesterday's podcast that 20 years ago yesterday, Bret Hart defeated, you know, Vader, The Undertaker, and Stone Cold for the WWF Championship. What was cool was is the very next night on Monday Night Raw, Psycho Sid defeated Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. Now that happens sometimes, but what was really intriguing about what they planned in their storyline was is that Bret Hart won the championship at In Your House. Uh, it was like fate, Final Four or something like that. And the they transitioned the next night to giving the championship to Sid, using Bret as a transitional champion, because what they really wanted to do was have Psycho Sid go against The Undertaker at WrestleMania, which ended up being the main event. This freed Bret Hart up for another program uh, with Stone Cold, which ended up being a huge, huge uh, moment in Bret Hart and Stone Cold's career. But at the end of the day, um, when you look back at Bret Hart's career and you talk about how many championships somebody has and how many times, how many days they held a championship for and things like that, when you have a one-day title run, it's almost unfair to even include that. I mean, John Cena just won number 16 to tie Ric Flair and all this kind of stuff. Well, if John Cena had 15 one-day reigns, is he really tying Ric Flair? So you got to put more into the equation than that. So this title reign really didn't mean much to Bret Hart. But 
in the annals of wrestling history. It did set up some very exciting matches for WrestleMania that year. 19 years ago today, something that I personally find incredibly interesting is it was the first time on a Monday Night Raw where the NWA, National Wrestling Alliance World Tag Team Championship, was defended on WWE programming. So at the time, they had this short-term working agreement with the National Wrestling Alliance that they were going to feature NWA talent and championships on WWE programming. Jim Cornette was a huge part of this angle, and what ended up happening was WWE contracted wrestlers who recently returned back in November, for those who remember on SmackDown, Mosh and Thrasher of the Headbangers came in and challenged the soon-to-be WWE Hall of Fame tag team of the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. This not only was the first time the belts were defended on WWE programming, but Ricky and Robert would go on to lose those championships to Mosh and Thrasher in the match. So, for people who, you know, as a child, I remember looking back and you'd always see the champions in the ring and you could really identify with some of the championship belt designs. The NWA World Tag Team Championship belts always looked really prestigious. They looked real regal to me. I always, I loved seeing Arn and Tully carry those belts and the Road Warriors and the Rock and Roll Express and, the you know, just different teams who held those championships. Those belts were always very important to me as a child when I would watch Worldwide on Saturday mornings or, you know, 6.05 on TBS. So, seeing those same belts on WWE programming very strange at the time so that was another cool thing 19 years ago and then 15 years ago in 2002 monstrously important night for pro wrestling because that was the return to the WWE of Hall, Nash, and Hulk Hogan when they came back as the NWO. This was the evening that they came out. They cut a promo in ring. Uh, I remember listening to Jim Ross talking about them running like a pack of dogs and they they were going to be a cancer and this and that. And that night, the main event of No Way Out was Stone Cold Steve Austin challenging the then unified world champion Chris Jericho who was the guy who beat Austin and beat The Rock in one night to be the first undisputed champion. And they ended up costing Steve Austin the championship that evening, which was supposed to set up a match between Austin and Hogan at WrestleMania, which never came to fruition. Instead, they put Austin against uh, Scott Hall, which was worthless. And uh, they put Hulk Hogan against The Rock, which was timeless. So I guess you got a positive out of the negative. But now, all these years later, we're still wishing we could have seen just one match between Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan. You have to wonder, had they done The Rock and uh, Scott Hall, which would have been pretty cool seeing Mr. Machismo against The Rock, and done the Hulk Hogan-Stone Cold thing, you still would have had a healthy Rock and Hogan later that year to have their match. I don't think it would have captured the same aura as the one did at WrestleMania, but um, we at least wouldn't be complaining about it now that we never got to see Hogan in Austin. So that it's still a very awesome experience 15 years ago today in 2002. Uh, some sad news today to, on, on more than one front, uh, starting with someone who, if you are on LinkedIn, which is a professional, it's almost like Facebook for professional people. If you go on there, some pro wrestlers have profiles on there. And when I first got my LinkedIn, I used it so that I could branch out as an educator and try to find really great teaching jobs and things like that. And I started seeing some pro wrestlers pop up there, I guess, based on my interests. And one of them was George the Animal Steel. Today, it was announced that at 79 years of age, after being in hospice care for the last week, George the Animal Steel passed away, which for me personally, I'm taking kind of hard because over the last couple years, with the use of LinkedIn, George the Animal Steel, 
uh, would post on there quite often. He put himself, listed himself as a professional uh, wrestling entertainer and trainer. He's a you know, really educated guy. He was a teacher and a professor. You know, really influential guy in a lot of different ways. He did a lot of stuff behind the scenes for WWE back in the 80s and early 90s. His character in the ring, I remember my mother loved watching this guy with the green tongue, tearing apart the turnbuckles and throwing the stuffing everywhere. And in, in recent times with this LinkedIn thing, I was able to share some of those memories I had of my mother being excited to see him and me being excited to watch him wrestle. He's, he's an integral part of the WrestleMania 3 Randy Savage and uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat Intercontinental Championship match. He's the guy who pushed Randy Savage off the top when he was going to drop the bell on Ricky Steamboat, go, leading to the end of the match. So he's just he was such a big personality for me personally and so when i heard of his passing it's really it's a sad day for me it's someone who every once in a while would just shoot something to and he was so gracious and that he would send back responses to everybody who contacted him and it was really it was really personal and, and and amazing to get to know somebody in a very different way than you do on television at the same time Today is also another sad day for another reason. Nicole Bass, if you don't know who that is, back in the 90s, Nicole Bass was a huge physical imposing female specimen in wrestling. Uh, I know they had done a lot with China when she came out with Triple H and she had a real buff, uh, almost masculine look to her, but Nicole Bass took it to a whole nother level. And behind the scenes in WWE, she was being treated very unfairly and at one point filed a lawsuit against them. And today she passed away at the age of 52. Uh, her girlfriend actually posted yesterday that she had already passed away. What ended up happening is, the, at least the reports that I'm seeing on various media outlets, is that she had a heart attack and that she was essentially on life support and she was brain dead. And that today, on Friday, uh, they were going to disconnect her from life support. So my prayers, my condolences go out to both the families and friends of Nicole Bass and of one of my idols from the past, George the Animal Steel. Sad to see anything like that to either one of these people, and let's just hope they're both resting in peace now. On to something that we don't talk a ton about, but we do touch on here and there, and that's a little bit of mixed martial arts, because it's kind of a big day for that. Um, Georgia St. Pierre, I told you guys the other day, has was negotiating this big deal with UFC. Well, now the contract is signed, and they are anticipating, a, they call it a quarter three or a quarter four um, match this year, meaning it'll happen either in the span between, say, October, November, December, or maybe the three months prior to that, Go looking at the end of July, August, September. One of those two periods of the year when UFC is promoting their brands, they'll come up with a match. Right now, the thought is he may go against Michael Bisping, who's the UFC middleweight champion. Um, there are other names out there. I mean, the, the guy was a welterweight. He could fight it at, at middleweight. He could, he could move around quite a bit. So we'll have to see what weight class he decides to make his return at. One well, only thing I'm worried about, GSP is one of the most amazing athletes in the history of UFC in, in with martial arts in general and after being gone for four years the last time he was in a ring is when he had the match with Johnny the fight with Johnny Hendricks and he won but it was kind of a controversial thing and ever since then like Hendricks has kind of fallen off the radar and he's been gone so long that I, I, I fear almost like a Ronda Rousey uh, concern I, I don't want to see this guy come back who I absolutely love in this in the octagon and see him come back and not be the guy who left four years ago. And you can't, you, you could only imagine he can't possibly be that good still. But just seeing him in the octagon will be a beautiful thing again. So, you know, I'm really excited about that. And then also, this weekend is a big deal. 
Bellator 172 is going to see the uh, Fedor Emelenko return to the United States for the first time in like four years. And he's going to be taking on Matt Mitrioni, who is a former UFC guy, now in Bellator. We're going to get to see these two lock up at Bellator 172. I'm really anxious to see this. Fedor used to be like the be-all, end-all of amazing talents in mixed martial arts. Never really made the jump to UFC, and it was something that back in the day everybody wanted to see. Took some time off, looked like he was going to retire and stay out of the, the, the sport. Came back, and he's just been doing really well for himself. So it'll be awesome to see him in, in a high-profile match with a legitimate opponent. And uh, we'll see where Bellator takes it from here. I wouldn't if, he, if Fedor comes out successful tomorrow night, I would love to see him perhaps go against Bobby Lashley, who in the Bellator cage is just tearing it up. I don't know how Lashley's been fighting this long and hasn't gotten a Bellator World Championship match. I'm just saying. So... We'll have to see what happens after this, but one other tidbit of UFC news, Chris Cyborg Justino, you know, the Cyborg is the one who's been calling out Rousey for years, and they've never gotten into the octagon, may never happen now that with the uh, the knockout of, of Rousey in her last fight, but she had failed a drug test back in December for a banned substance, and as it turns out, the United States Anti-Doping Association is actually going to clear her. Uh, because there was a medical reason. She's going to get a medical uh, exemption for this this particular failed drug test that she took. Uh, it was out of competition time, and she she took a urine test, and it didn't work. So it's kind of a good thing for the sport, because let's face it, I know some people are all this like anti-performance-enhancing uh, drugs, and I am not in any way advocating them for anyone. But what I am saying is, is there are legitimate reasons that these drugs are manufactured, and it's to recover from sports injuries, it's to recover from different things. This one in particular, is only flagged because it's considered to be a diuretic to help them cut weight. Well, if she's not in competition, she's not trying to cut weight for a competition. This is something she was taking for another purpose, but because it could come up to be used as something like that, it's on the ban list. It, it, I, I, I appreciate all the drug testing they have now in sports, but sometimes I think that they are looking for too much. You know, if somebody's not competing anytime soon, it really... It, you really have no business being in, in, in there trying to figure out what they're doing. If they hulk up for six months and then they come back and they had to come off the juice for the next six months, what effect are they really getting by the time they get into the octagon? You know, you can give a, a certain window of time prior to your next fight where you have to test so that you don't see these failed drug tests because it really damages their credibility and their overall perception by the fans. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. Going to move on to some Impact Wrestling news. Congratulations to them. This week, their viewership with this conquest, the Quest of Gold or whatever with the Hardys, they, they saw a 75,000 viewer increase over last week. They jumped up to 325,000 viewers. Way off from, you know, the 1, 2, 3 million that they would like to have, but still a significant increase from the 200 and change ahead the week before. To help them a little more, Jeff Jarrett and the Impact Wrestling president were both overseas in the United Kingdom trying to secure a television deal. They're trying to work out some arrangements, potentially with ITV, who is a, a network over there who's wanted to bring wrestling back to the, the UK for quite some time. And they want a big company. This would be a great deal for both. It's, it's amazing to me that after leaving TNA and Impact Wrestling under the terms that he did, Jeff Jarrett seems to be very much focused on their success. And I know he still has Global Force Wrestling in the back of his mind. And I just, I, I can't imagine how he separates his interests in a way that he can be a truly committed to both of them. But 
he seems to be doing a really great job with that and kudos to him you know i actually i'm kind of like jeff jarrett i know i'm in the minority a lot of people have issues with him but i, I kind of like the guy because i think he's wrestling to his core and that's a beautiful thing that's what we need to help some of these smaller promotions get bigger and, and put up some real competition to the wwe speaking of the wwe First, we'll start out with Bubba Ray Dudley. He had a quote online. It's been reported by WrestleZone. It was also reported by Wrestling Inc., uh, the, the, the Wrestling Observer, multiple outlets talking about Samoa Joe versus John Cena. He had a quote. He said, uh, one day Samoa Joe versus John Cena has the makings to be a phenomenal story with emotional investment that we fought brilliantly, that will be fought brilliantly in the ring. That's a direct quote from Bubba Ray Dudley's uh, Twitter handle. If Bubba Ray Dudley's giving you that kind of compliment, I don't know if anybody knows this, but Samoa Joe and John Cena has been done before. When John Cena was in UPW, when he was the UPW champion, he feuded with Samoa Joe over that championship. You can actually find some of those matches, and I'm sure at some point those matches will be my recommended match of the day, but that matches, those matches have been done, and they had great chemistry together back when they were both in the infancy of their careers. It would be awesome to see these two get in the ring and lock up again, and I would love to see it at Mania. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. Let's take a look at the WrestleMania card that's projected right now. You know, you got the main event gonna, is going to end up being Brock Lesnar against Goldberg. It looks like that's going to be for the Universal Championship. You're going to probably see Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker because The Undertaker wants that match so bad. Obviously, we're going to see Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho probably for the U.S. title unless Jericho drops the belt to Zane at Fastlane. You got this funky thing going on with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. They have to get locked up at Mania. But now, word is out that they may make it a triple threat with Luke Harper. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to regret it the minute I say it because just is what it is but i would not have a problem with luke harper walking out as the wwe world heavyweight champion i'm just saying the guy is so underappreciated i would love to see him get the belt and the reason i say i regret it is because i've wanted bray wyatt to have that belt for so long i don't want to see it come off him anytime soon especially after he's been built so well with cena taking the loss to him twice and him pinning aj styles in the chamber i really don't want to see that happen to bray but I would love to see that for Luke Harper. And him having the opportunity to be in a main event level match at WrestleMania would be a great launching platform for Luke Harper's career. As we said, or talked about a little bit earlier, the John Cena thing with Joe not going to happen because it looks like John Cena and Nikki Bella are going to go against the Miz and Maurice. I don't know who the guy is in the back who's going to book this, but I was really sour on this for a long time. I still am, to be honest with you, but when you think about it, Nikki Bella has been having some complications with her neck. She probably wants to have one opportunity to go out there with John and wrestle before she calls it, calls it a career. This may be the last WrestleMania opportunity to do that. So more power to Nikki Bella. Um, hopefully things go well. And uh, hopefully the match is better than we all expect it to be. Maurice hasn't been in the ring in forever, so it'll be really curious to see how well she does. We're still expecting to see the big show versus Shaq. I would love to see them start building that somewhere on television in the next couple weeks because they're running out of time. Um, they're still banking on Triple H versus Seth Rollins. We'll have to see how that works out. Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles looks like that's something you could bet on. Bailey versus Charlotte versus Sasha Banks. And I think you'll probably see Nia Jax added to that, make it a fatal four-way. That's still going to happen. You could probably expect to see Baron Corbin against Dean Ambrose, you know. And there's got to be some matches for the New Day and American Alpha. Um, Samoa Joe probably, at this point, probably going to go against Sami Zayn after what they set up the other day. Um, Gallows and Anderson still need a match. There has to be something for the cruiserweights, possibly the match with Austin Aries and Neville, but it could be a gimmick ladder match so you can get Aries and Neville in the ring at the same time and get some cool stuff with them, but still highlight some more of your cruiserweights to help build the 205 Live brand. 
but you also have the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And if you look at the talent pool in WWE, there's only a few people who could win that. And of all the names I just said for all those matches that we're supposed to bank on for Mania, the, the remaining roster, I'm just going to run down real quickly. We got Aiden English, Apollo Crews, Big Cass, Bo Dallas, Cesaro, Kurt Hawkins, Curtis Axel, Dolph Ziggler, Epico, Enzo Amore, Fandango, Goldust, Heath Slater, Jack Swagger, James Ellsworth, Jimmy and Jay Uso, Kane, Kalisto, Connor, Mark Henry, Mojo Raleigh, Primo, Rhino, R-Truth, Rusev, Sami Zayn, unless he does his match with Samoa Joe, Sheamus, Simon Gotch, Titus O'Neil, Victor, Tyler Breeze, and Braun Strowman. So, who wins that battle royal? If you ask me, it's Braun Strowman. Because I don't see another main event talent out there who doesn't already have a program that's supposed to work out for Mania. That leaves Strowman with nobody. So going from a guy who was being talked about going against The Undertaker at one point, and then potentially against Reigns at one point, now he's going to be thrown into the, the battle royal. That... It blows my mind. Now, if you're trying to pad his resume for a future stardom, I guess you can give him the Andre the Giant win. And just like Baron Corbin, next year we'll see him in the main event title picture. But it seemed like they were going to fast-track him to the title at some point quicker, sooner than later this year. And now with this, it may be postponing a little bit. So we'll have to see how that works out. Maybe some of that's the anger from McMahon over his promo about wanting a title shot instead of a championship match or whatever. But whatever. But if you're booking WrestleMania, there's not a lot of people left to make... And, you know, make a case for for that battle royal. Only one tidbit of international news: we announced a couple weeks, a couple episodes ago, that uh, Ring of uh, the, the Pro Wrestling Noah from Japan had brokered a deal with Impact Wrestling. Well, they announced that Eddie Edwards, Moose, and James Storm are going to be appearing on their show. Now they have a little few more details, not a ton. The details are the matches will take place on March 14th, and it will be called the Great Voyage 2017 for Pro Wrestling Noah. I love this. Anytime the Japanese wrestling um, talent gets to interact with the American talent, uh, the talent exchange thing, I love that. It gives us some new people to look at here in the States on WWE or Ring of Honor or TNA or whoever's programming. And then over there, it expands our global presence here as American re- our American wrestling style, which in a lot of places, they wrestle very differently. If anybody watched that UK tournament, like they didn't wrestle like, Amer- wrestle like American wrestlers. They just didn't. They have a totally different style. German style is very different. Lucha Libre is different. The Porosu, the Strong style, they're all very different. So to see these different styles clash in these different talent exchanges is awesome. Awesome. Um, I want to touch on something that is kind of new. I asked you guys to give me comments and feedback after the last episode, and I got some. I want to send a special shout-out to Pro Wrestling News. That's the uh, YouTube tagline he put out there. I asked you guys to tell me if you're going to book Kurt Angle in a match coming back to WWE, what would you do? And this Pro Wrestling News, has, he's got Kurt Angle booked against John Cena at WrestleMania. That's what he wants to see, and I can see that because they have torn the house down before. If you're going to bring it back one more time, you bring somebody the caliber of Kurt Angle with somebody like John Cena. If you think about it, both people could easily be the winner or could easily be the loser. You got Kurt Angle returning, so he's older. You could argue that that's why he would lose versus John Cena, who's the part-timer, who's now taking clean pinfall losses in multiple pay-per-views in the last year. So it could be a very interesting match if they would make that happen. Custom Titan Trons 101, a very good buddy of mine. I love it that he's on here all the time. He's so loyal to the podcast. Thank you so much, buddy. 
please keep spreading that word. He put out he wants to book Angle against Brock Lesnar, but he wants to wait till SummerSlam. I actually like that plan because when you do that, you're giving the opportunity for all these angles you built up all these months to take place at Mania, and then he's already got his main event for SummerSlam. So good booking there. I've said it before. My original plan would have been to book him with The Miz. It would have freed up Cena for a different match. Could have done the the Samoa Joe match with John Cena. I would have been okay with that because there's no cross-promotional match on the card yet. But if we run with what WWE has already put together, there's not a lot of people left to put in a high-profile match. You know, I don't even know who I would book Kurt Angle against because there's really nothing left. It's on the level that would be believable for an awesome match with Kurt Angle. I mean, he could have an awesome match with pretty much anybody, but who are you going to put him with? You're going to put him against Samoa Joe? You're going give, to give that dream match that quick with that short a time to build? That might be the only thing that I could see on the card. But then what are you going to do with Sami Zayn? Put him into the Battle Royal? Or are you going to have a ladder match with a briefcase for a world title shot or something of that nature? I don't know. We'll have to see. This episode's look back match. I talked about briefly, sort of, kind of, half of this match. And looking back, we'll see that in a future episode. But in this uh, this this match, look up the prototype. Go to YouTube, look up the prototype versus Leviathan. The prototype is John Cena. Leviathan is Batista. And this is the two of them back when they were in Ohio Valley Wrestling. Long before WWE, John Cena's got a whole different hairdo. Um, they both have managers. Cena's a bad guy. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But when you watch the match, understand that it will start out with John Cena going against David Flair for some reason. It's about a 15-minute match. Uh, so they got Cena versus David Flair. Then it flips over to Batista against uh, some schmuck who we don't need to worry about. Uh, I can't even remember who it was at this point. And then eventually it transitions into Cena versus Batista, which ends up being a really cool finish to the match. There's one of them is the champion, one of them is the challenger. You get to see if the championship changes hands and see the whole, there's an interview that's done after the match. Jim Cornette is on commentary. Cornette is always awesome on the camera. So check out that match. John Cena versus Batista way before they were John Cena and Batista. The prototype versus Leviathan. Please, guys, give us a subscribe. Give us some reviews. Give us thumbs up on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you pull this stuff up. We're cool with it. But anywhere, please, every subscribe you get helps us out. We're trying to get to 100 subscribers in such a short period of time. We started this podcast the beginning of January, and it's already at 50 subscribers. We want to see it jump to 100. That would be a beautiful thing. We really would appreciate that. So if you know anybody who is a wrestling fan who's not already listening to this podcast, by all means, spread the word. Because the, the word of mouth is the only reason we're growing at all. And all those 50 subscribers I was just talking about, I owe all that to you guys. So thank you so much for what you guys have been doing. Our pro wrestling plug for this episode is always Chikara Wrestle Factory, 4711 Wingate Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, specializing in Lucha Libre, Porosu, European, British, and German styles, mixed martial arts, and even American pro wrestling in their curriculum at the Wrestle Factory, where they strive to create the most well-rounded performers active today. That's all the time we have for this episode. Check back with us, check back with us in episode 24, where we're going to have, review all the new news. I'm sure we're going to have some. It seems to be a daily thing lately. Special thanks, as always, out to bensound.com and purpleplanet.com for producing all our music and sound effects in today's show. Today's podcast was sponsored in part by Bezel Games. As always, bringing a new friend to family game night is easy with sketchy people. Showcase your artistic side in this new, this new board game from Bezel Games and bring some fun and excitement back to family game night. Go to www www.thegamecrafter.com slash sketchy people to pick up your copy today and to alleyrepair.com you know if you got your p- ski ball p- 
pinball, arcade needs, alleyrepair.com is the place to go for all your needs. www.alleyrepair.com. We want to thank you for listening to today's podcast, and we encourage you to go to our website, www.frolifeplanning.com, to learn more about what Mr. Fro can do for you in your quest for a higher education. Remember, Fro Life Educational Planning is for today, for tomorrow, and for life with Fro Life. I'm Fred Froelich, better known as Mr. Fro, and I want to thank everybody as always. I have an amazing, loyal audience. You guys are fantastic. Thank you for taking a few moments with us today. I really look forward to these episodes and giving you guys as much information as I can from around the globe. I'm going to look forward to discussing more stuff and current events and rumors and everything with you guys on our next episode. Until then, everybody be safe and have a great night. Take care.